So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1355, how to let go the burden of busy work with Jenny Blake, author of the new book, Free Time. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. We have so many inboxes now for every social media platform, if you're on one or more of them, for email, for text messages, for LinkedIn. It's like every time a new platform is invented, we acquire a new inbox. And so I just think this trend over time is peak ping. Like none of us are really equipped to handle this much. I call it the crush of the inbound. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today is Jenny Blake. Jenny is a friend of the show. She's been on a couple of times. She's a multiple bestselling business book, leadership book author. Her latest is called Free Time. Lose the busy work, love your business. But even if you don't own a business, even if you just have a lot of overwhelm in your personal life, in your relationship life, in your life as a parent, this episode covers a lot of ground. And the advice in her book transcends the work place. A little bit more about Jenny. She launched her business after five years at Google and two years at a political polling startup, YouGov America. She's the author of three books, including Life After College, Pivot, The Only Move That Matters Is Your Next One, and Now Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, Love Your Business. And in our conversation, Jenny and I talk about some of the systems that she recommends for earning back your time, how to create an externalized mind and be detached from details, how to eliminate task bloat with some simple calendar hacks. And if you are a breadwinning woman, if you make more in your relationship and you find yourself doing a strange amount of housework, you're not alone. Studies show that this is actually a problem and it's specifically a problem for women who make more than their male spouses. We'll talk about that. So much to uncover. Excited for this conversation. Here's Jenny Blake. Jenny Blake, welcome back to So Money. Thank you so much, Farnoosh. It's great to be here. We are going to talk about the burden of busy work, how to let go and stop the burnout so timely. Your book is called Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, Love Your Business. Now, we're chatting. It's been a couple of months since your book came out. Tell me some of the reaction that you've been getting. Are you changing lives? I suspect you are. I have this vision of setting 50 million hours free in the world. And the favorite email that I receive is people who tell me, I'm no longer scheduling meetings on Fridays, or now I automatically reply to people and ask for meetings to be 15 minutes instead of 30. These very real practical small changes that people are starting to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm taking my time back. And I know for your show, especially even the title of it, So Money, we have this assumption in America, Benjamin Franklin was the original one who said time is money. But Time is so much more vital than that. Time is life force. Time is everything. And so, yes, I do believe that we can be financially abundant and time and energy abundant, that one does not have to happen at the expense of the other. It got more challenging though, Jenny, right? Where we, a lot of us are now working hybrid or from home, which on the one hand, in theory, should buy us some more time, more personal time. But what did you see happening in the pandemic with regards to that that shift? There were so many people, if 
if you were fortunate enough to work from home, but hadn't been previously, it's a whole new world of porous boundaries. And the other thing that was starting to happen in parallel is just, we have so many inboxes now for every social media platform. If you're on one or more of them for email, for text messages, for LinkedIn, it's like every time a new platform is invented, we acquire a new inbox. And so I just think this trend over time is peak ping. Like none of us are really equipped to handle this much I call it the crush of the inbound. So the other thing I saw during the pandemic was there was this great research done on surge capacity that many of us did our best to rise to the occasion of chaos and uncertainty in the early days of the pandemic. But by year two, by now at the time of this recording, there's a collective fatigue. We're tired. Mm -hmm. So for me, free time is not just about la-di-da, let's just all have more leisure in our lives. It's actually imperative. How do we protect our time and rest when we actually do have time off and make the be present with our family. And I just think there's so much more. I really see freeing time as a verb and as a skill. Just how do we continually get better at taking small steps so that we can be kinder to our future mm -hmm. selves amidst everything that we've all been through mm -hmm. these last few years? I mean, it all makes sense to me, yet we do still live in this hustle culture, Jenny. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how that poses a challenge to shifting away from this mindset of, well, the more I work, the more money I can make, the more success I can have. You know, I believe it's our friend Gary Vaynerchuk. Maybe he's changed his tune. But back in the day when I interviewed him, and he's for listeners who may not be familiar with Gary, he's a super successful entrepreneur. And he has sort of become the face of hustle culture or was at a time a brand of hustle culture. And I remember interviewing him and he was like, you know, everybody wants to like work smarter. Well, what if you work harder and smarter at the same time? you know, harder probably means working through the night. So what do you say to that? How do we detach from that um, pressure, right? To this feeling that if I'm not working, I'm not getting closer to my goals. I do wonder if he's one of those, I don't know if it's three or 5% of people that genuinely don't need eight hours of sleep. In fact, I just met one last night. She's <laughs> like, yeah, I work 12 hour days. And I said, are you somebody that you actually feel okay if you've only slept four hours? And she said, yes, I am. She's like, I have, I only need four or five hours of sleep. And those people, that's a superpower. For me, I start to deteriorate so quickly. I get sick. I get stressed. I get cranky. I don't do nearly my best work or my best strategic thinking. So while there are a rare few that I actually think hustle works, you and I probably both know that actually too much of that hustle just leads to burnout and then you're useless. You're no good to anybody. What's tough is that I, I used to work at Google for five and a half years in a startup before that. No one person says, let's make this burnout hustle culture. So everybody is suffering and starts getting sick. Some cultures, maybe there was this big expose on Amazon many years back about churn and burn culture. Even if no one person is sort of dictating that on high, what can happen is that the nature of fast-paced organizations or companies or trying to meet a high bar, trying to collaborate with really intelligent peers, there, there can be all these pressures that start to set in that, that I do think we, we start to erode taking care of ourselves. And that's what I found. So even though it was no one person's fault per se, it was really hard to not feel constantly behind. Like I was treading water, if not drowning in terms of my workload. And you mentioned this fear that, well, if we pull back, then we'll earn less or we won't be as successful. I'm not sure that that's true. 
So when I was leaving Google 11 years ago now, I remember thinking, what if I end up in a van down by the river? I had been obsessed with personal finance. Van life you works know. for a lot of people. Oh, <laughs> I know. Now, right now. now vans are sold out. Exactly. <laughs> and I was, obs- I was really frugal. Like everything that you talk about and the advice that you give was, was top of mind for me. But then I started to ask, what if I earn twice as much in half the time? And so even now, I think people assume if I work less or if I, if my work is more fun, I'll earn less. If I, if I take more time off, I'll sacrifice earnings, earning potential. And what if that wasn't true? What if you worked half as much, but you were twice as energetic, twice as focused? Studies actually show that when we're in a flow state, we're five times more productive. So what if you did only work four or five hours in a given day, but you were five times more productive? Isn't that a better scenario than 10 or 12 hours of exhaustion and burnout where you can't even enjoy the rest of the time that you have off? And that is the big question that you answer in your book, Free Time. How can we earn twice as much in half the time with joy and ease while serving the highest good? This is a derivative of what you have done for yourself. Um, You know, in lieu of telling everybody all the things in your book, because I want them to go buy it, let's tease it a little bit and maybe walk through some of what I found to be some of the, um, to me personally, like really spoke to me, some of the advice in your book. Um, For example, you say, uh, one step towards this uh, towards this goal is to create an externalized mind, a detachment from details. Uh, how do you afford to do this? This is inspired by David Allen, who said the mind is for having ideas, not holding them. One way we can just get loosen up the pressure that we feel and the kind of sleepless nights, just get it out of your head. Nothing should live in your head about how to do your job, how to run your business, even how to run your household. Get it out of your head. I use Notion for this. Notion software is incredibly powerful. Whatever it is that you use, you have permission to stop repeating yourself. So one of my frustrations is when I find myself repeating myself, whether I'm training a team member or even something as like seemingly silly as telling somebody what needs to be cleaned in the house if we're bringing a cleaner in. It's like, I don't want to keep repeating myself. Everyone listening has probably stayed at an Airbnb at least once. There's a guide. Here's how to stay at our house. You'll notice that the owner of the listing, the Airbnb owner, is not bespoke discussing that on a phone call with every single person that comes to stay. There's a guide. It lives outside of their mind and it makes it super easy for everybody else to interact with the space. And we can replicate that across so many areas of life. Another little rule of thumb is what steps can you take today that will free time infinitely into the future. So I talk about putting household items on subscription, like paper towels, laundry detergent. There's a particular cadence that probably does not change that your household consumes these things. Nobody needs to remember when to reorder them. Just put them on subscription and you'll never think about it again. So I'm always looking for ways to train the system, then the person. How can I let the systems around me be smarter by taking small steps now, maybe doing one and a half the work now so that I do 0.5 the work every subsequent time after. Personally, I have, I have, I don't know last time I stepped into a grocery store, like with the intention of buying groceries for the entire week. I mean, certainly I run in because I need a last minute avocado or whatever, because it's taco Tuesday. I should quantify that. I think that has probably saved me a hundred hours a year. And how did you solve that? What's your system? Oh, so we, I, I shop, I'm going to just say where I shop. I shop Whole Foods online. I shop the 365 
store brand for most things, which is significantly cheaper than, you know, all the fancy organic brands uh, that they also sell. And when I do it online, it comes to my house. I pay $10 to have it delivered to my house because that's worth it to me. And every week they have saved my orders, right? So I just reorder. I just go through that list first more times than not, it's, I need all of that stuff again. Cause I get mostly basics. Literally like that afternoon I have my groceries or that next morning, if it's a really busy day, it's just a mom hack. It's a parenting yes. hack. I know your books for entrepreneurs, but I found so many of these tips applicable to all areas of life, yes. your home life, your relationships, running an Airbnb, running a business, everyone. Well, that's, that's exactly it because I know I've read your books, Farnoosh, and particularly when you were writing about being a breadwinner and being the primary breadwinner in your family. And I'm not sure if that's still the case, but I have found that most business books up till now have been written by men, especially books on systems and operations. Mm -hmm. And they don't even think to address what happens outside of the office because it's not on their mind. There's a little fairy at home taking care of things in some cases. And now we're living in society where gender roles are flipping and flopping and that's cool. Like everything is dynamic and evolving and changing. And so it was really important to me that it does not just be about what happens in your laptop for the business to grow the highest revenue. Actually, sometimes even entrepreneurs, what we most need help with are the details at home that are dragging us down and that are creating friction at home or fights with our spouse about who's going to do what by when. And actually, I think some of those are the, the most satisfying wins to take care of, like what you just described with groceries. I have this dream that Whole Foods, because I do something very similar to you. I was thinking, what if I could put just my salad ingredients, because I make the same kind of salad every night for a week. The salad ingredients alone would be on like a weekly recurring subscription that I wonder if this will be possible someday where you just set it and forget it. Whole Foods will deliver every Monday at whatever time. I don't think it has that added benefit feature where you can get on a, like Amazon does that yes. with certain things you can go on. They should start doing that with groceries because I'm always going to need milk exactly. every week and eggs and avocados. You also talk about eliminating task bloat. I just love the way that you phrase that because it's so true and you know how to compartmentalize your tasks. For example, in my Outlook, I have blocked off certain hours of the day so people can't just go in and book meetings whenever they feel like it, you know, like 9am or 6pm, you know, because they're on the West Coast and they forget that I'm on the East Coast. And so really creating those boundaries, one example of how I've eliminated maybe task blow and I only podcast on certain days at certain hours. It's having this drill sergeant approach to my time has been for me uh, exponentially helpful. Yes. And being able to get in the zone of something like podcasts. I do the same thing with my two shows where I record on the same day every week. That allows me to get in a certain mood, a certain energy of it and mm -hmm. stay there and feel really accomplished by the end of the day. And it's exactly as you said, the task bloat can happen when we don't, it, it almost requires being super proactive and intentional. I actually look at my calendar for the year ahead. And now I've set a monthly recurring for the month of August. Do not schedule. I took inspiration from my corporate clients in Europe that we're always taking August off. And I'm thinking, why am I here working? They work for huge organizations and they're not emailing me this month. What am I doing? Now I have a recurring do not schedule every day for the month of August that recurs annually. So I never have to think to do that for myself ever again. It's a default that no one can schedule. I do the same thing with mid-December to mid-January. It recurs every year. No one can, but 
by default add something to my calendar on, let's say, December 20th anymore. It's not going to happen. Doesn't mean I won't make exceptions if I have a really important client or important podcast interview, but creating these defaults, I block off the fourth week of every month. Nobody can schedule. And the thing is that other people are not trying to fracture your time, energy, and attention. They just don't know better. So if we don't put these parameters in place with tools Mm -hmm. like Calendly and these recurring do not schedule blocks, Yes. As soon as there's one meeting on the calendar, as my dad put it, it's like mosquitoes coalescing to a bare arm. The whole day (laughs) starts to revolve around, oh, well, I can't do this because I have that call today. Oh, I can't go work out because I have that call in 30 minutes. And it just shifts the entire energy. Yes. And your flow. So if you're somebody who, you know, you need a couple of hours to walk your dog or take a, you know, shower and like, do you like, and then work out or run errands. And then, oh no, there's like a three o'clock podcast. Guess what? None of that's getting done now because how do you even work around that? The podcast anchors the rest of the afternoon, even though it's the only one thing in, in the three hour time period. I'm may or may not be speaking from experience. Um, 100%. You give a lot of great resources in your book. You mentioned a couple of them already, you know, Calendly. And tell us about some of the other technologies, tools that we should be leveraging. Obviously, like Dropbox, right? Where you talk about um, the brain should be just a place for having ideas, not holding ideas. So clearly, like Dropbox and the cloud can be a great place to store information that you can easily access on demand. Yes. I mean, phones are so freaking powerful now. It's incredible. Even in the years since you and I have both been in business, it's amazing what we can do from our phones. I love any software that is cloud-based. The reason I like Notion is that it's so customizable and you can store absolutely everything. It kind of is similar to Evernote, which is what I used previously. You want to be able to think of something, whether it's a task a book you're reading and be able to just save a little snippet in your home database. Again, mine's a notion and have it be searchable, customizable, and ideally interlinkable so that you can start to link pages to each other or tie tasks together, tag in team members. I don't love Slack for day-to-day work because it makes me jumpy. It's like text messages. It just makes me jumpy. Most things in business are not urgent. So I would rather see people correspond about the work in a task related to that project than in email, than in Slack, texting, things like that. So I think the key is if somebody completely outside, a stranger to my life or to my business were to come in tomorrow, would they know where to look? Would they know how to get this done? And if we're always thinking like that, we're actually doing a favor for our future self. Because sometimes I'll think about if my future self a year from now remembers a meeting or a certain speaking client or a podcast interview, and I want to go find it, is it going to be easy for me to find? Am I going to know where I put it? And so just that searchability, my friend Nick calls it retrievability of information, is something that helps me guide software choices. So yes, cloud-based. All my files are in Dropbox so that if somebody steals my laptop, which we we live in New York City, you never know. (laughs) It's gone crazy the last few years that I'm not devastated. Mm -hmm. Um, And another tool that is really fun to play around with, it takes, there's some learning curve is Zapier. You're basically creating if this, then that rules. So there's a lot of minutia that can happen. So for example, if someone schedules a podcast interview with me or for one of my shows, it automatically ports that information over to the Notion card where I go to prepare for that guest. You can do all kinds of things. like So there's a lot of automation that you can set up where people think they need this big complex team 
to get a lot of that busy work done. And these days now software is able to take care of so much of it. Truly, truly. But let's talk about outsourcing a little bit. It, I think we've, we've talked about outsourcing for years now and on this show in particular, the cost benefits to hiring someone to do something for you that you normally were, frees up your time, frees up your stress levels. Um, what's your logic behind this? Is there a kind of a shortcut that you have for figuring out if outsourcing is in fact worth it? I do think pretty much everybody can benefit from outsourcing in some way, as we've been already talking about first delegate to software. So we talked about things like putting things on recurring subscription or automatic. It takes a little bit of thought up front. And that's why I tried to be as detailed in the book as I could be to just give you all the ideas. But first I ask, can I delegate to software? Do I even need to hire for this? Do I need to be doing this at all? I also try to document then delegate. So one mistake I see people make is they think I should outsource this. Great. I, you can even keep, I call it a delegation task tracker. Even if it's on a piece of paper at your desk for two weeks, just observe every little thing you could delegate. Doesn't mean you know who's going to take it yet or how you'd get it off your plate. But I find that's also an, a good exercise because people don't often know off the top of their head what they could delegate. But as you start doing that, I have a current wish list for a house manager and I have some friends who have done this <laughs> and they were like, they didn't even realize how much they were going to give to this person until they started tracking it or writing it down. But a mistake people make is they hire, they put all this energy into onboarding that person. And then there's inevitable turnover. We have just kind of coming through this great resignation right. and you have to start all over again. And there's always such a curve of training somebody and trying to get things out of your mind and convey it to another person. So document, then delegate, train the system, then the person, make your systems and your documentation as smart as you possibly can. So that when you hand it over, not only is there less training involved, but there's less brain drain of if that person were to leave. And I also tell team members things like every question lives three lives. If someone asks me a question, they can't find what they need in our documentation. I will answer it, but they know they should automatically clarify our documentation, write it down. Ideally, we even post something to an external resource that customers are able to ask us less so that every question that reveals a gap in our systems and process, we close the gap in the future. I just, I can't, again, I cannot stand like repeating myself or people or where I'm investing effort into training and it's just training the person, but the systems stay kind of a mess, just like a big, messy, cluttered house. Yeah, this is exactly the uh, the conversation in my head about, well, should I hire a virtual assistant? And ultimately, I, I feel like so much of that work can be software enabled. Maybe I just hire like a task rabbit for a specific task as opposed to a VA who's, I think I need 20 things done. I need help with 20 things, but really it's just two that right. a human needs to do. And then it's a lower lift for me and also less of a pain when this person, if, and when this person um, leaves, or it's just like a project maybe that I'm hiring for, as opposed to this open-ended role on page 197 in your book, I have it in front of me. You, oh my gosh, I got, I was, <laughs> I kind of share this story. Please, yes. It's, uh, it reminds me of something that happened to me too. So you were heading to a keynote speech years ago, a book signing as well. Um, to your mortification, you said, I quote, I realized only upon arrival, 15 minutes before going on stage, that I forgot to bring the books. 
There I was smiling from the flyers taped throughout the co-working space, taunting myself, book signing with Jenny Blake. Your heart started pounding. What to do? How to fix this? So how did you do it? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's one of those. Sorry. (laughs) No, I love love that you brought this up. And I felt so bad. This was for at least 100 people. And that's the problem when we have sort of inconsistent process that sometimes the books get shipped there in advance. But in this case, I was meant to take them with me. And in New York, that means how do you get four boxes or five from the apartment to a taxi? I just forgot. So yeah, I got there and I'm racking my brain and I thought, what am I going to do? I ended up hiring a task rabbit for the first time. They're called taskers. You basically pay something around 25 an hour. Sometimes it's a little more. And I just put this request. I had 15 minutes. I'm scrambling to write this request and say, I need you to go pick up these books in Soho and bring them to a co-working space in Tribeca. And it needs to happen within an hour and 15 minutes because that's when I would be walking off the stage. (laughs) With minutes before going on stage, somebody confirmed, took the job. Thankfully, Michael, my now husband was home so he could let them into the apartment. And sure enough, while I'm on stage, while I'm in the Q&A portion before walking over to the book signing, I see them, the task are bringing the books to the coordinator in the event space. (laughs) They arrived. Nobody in the event was the wiser. And I did get to sign the books as promised. And so it worked out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just, wow. Task rabbit to the rescue. Yes. I should be one of their testimonials. But they, they've come to the rescue several times. And I think so, one hesitation, there's a chicken and an egg conundrum of hiring is, can I afford this? Should I spend the money on this? Is it better to do it myself? And yet on some level, you know that if you did spend a little more money, you would have more time and you would have more energy. And so I try to see it not as an either or, but as a, a creative challenge how can I earn double the cost of this investment? How can I make this 10x worth whatever it is? So um, with the book signing, that was just a promise I wanted to keep. But sometimes like in my home, I was getting really upset and actually developing allergies and asthma that I hadn't had since I was a kid with the Mm. level of dog dander and dust and mess. And instead of just continually feeling exhausted and arguing with my husband about it, I just said if I want to bring a cleaner in once a week recurring through a service and not always be debating if I'm ready for a cleaner and who I was going to coordinate with, how can I earn back the cost of doing that? So it wasn't this question of should I do it? It was what could I do with that time that would help me earn back the cost of that choice and then some. And that is how I like to think about delegating. I also love what you said about starting somebody with projects. Like a project with a clear start and an end, kind of dipping your toe in the water before you do just, because I've had mixed results of just bringing on a VA or a project manager and saying, here's my whole life and my whole business, go to town. I think it is better to do a project and, and develop rapport and see what they can do, what they enjoy doing, and then build from there. Time is a finite resource. It is what you do with your time is so imperative to your health, your well-being, your feeling of self-worth again, because you're doing the things that bring you joy and you feel like you're making an impact, you're doing meaningful things. Um, It begs repeating because when I see, for example, recently a statistic, which I put in my book 10 years ago, it has been renewed since. And the the data is still very sobering. It says that when she makes more, she ends up taking on more housework than a woman who makes the same or less than her male spouse. And when I, at the time, 10 years ago, when I embarked on this data, which was so 
baffling. The, 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 the psychologists and the experts were like, well, you know, it's because she feels as though as the breadwinner, she's has to overcompensate in the traditionally feminine departments of household duties. And so if she's making more money than him, she's taking, she's more of the man. So she had a, she has to balance that with doing more of the women things. I mean, it's so messed up. And here we are in 2022 at the same time, we're trying to push for equality and female equality and human rights and behind closed doors. We're playing to these gender roles and these scripts that are from generations ago. And and some people will say, I I don't want to exploit anyone I'm hiring either. I want to hire people who it's joyful for them and the earning that they get is abundant for them. So I've always also tried to pay well to people who were coming in to do anything at all, whether it was a photographer for an event or a cleaner for my home. I'm always trying to find a win-win where they feel good about it. They're happy that they came and the thing about the, it's, it's generals. And it's also that my husband doesn't even notice clutter. He doesn't care. So as tough as it is to admit, Byron Katie would say, like, if you're the one noticing it, it's your problem. And it's not that we can't solve things collaboratively, but I do think there are certain things at home and work where if we have preferences about what we like and how we have really strict expectations of what's going to make us thrive, well, then yeah, it is more of a the creative onus, not the entire onus, but the onus to kind of creatively think about and solve for that is going to inherently be on us because my husband could care less if the house looks chaotic. Whereas for me, it like hurts my spirit when I come downstairs and there's dishes in the sink or, you know, I, I hate that. So I, I try to just, instead of, fomenting resentment and staying in a power struggle or tug of war. My friend Christine calls it the sacred third solution. Like, How do we transcend that tug of war? How do we look at it from an even a a third outside perspective and say, what is going to help us both thrive here? Because we know that the current state isn't working. I would say this, Jenny's happiness is everyone's happiness. Well, that's you. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, right? Like that is it. (laughs) Period. Next. That's true. (laughs) That's 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 the argument. I know. Um, But then you don't want the resentment of, well, no, I demand that you do this just for me, even though you hate it. So period, end of story, because that's not going to last either. So it's almost this game of, okay, what, how do we all thrive in this? There's got to be a solution. And so far what we have, we don't want either one person feeling completely put upon and miserable. You know, I wouldn't want that either. But you know, someone who says I'd prefer messiness over cleanliness, who is that person? Well, he is an artist. They seem to love chaos. Chaos, <laughs> order and the disorder. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> let's just, ex- I'd say, well, let's just try this out. And if at the end of those two weeks, you are the same or feeling better, then we will go with this. Investment. What I did say is you're not allowed to complain, complain on the day that a cleaner is coming. Cause I used to be like, is today good for you? Do you, how do you feel about Friday? No. Now the only acceptable thing when I say, oh, don't forget the cleaner comes today is, Oh, I'm so grateful. You know, like there should be no complaints about vacuuming noises, somebody in the way. I don't want to hear it. Thank you. Thank you that the person is coming today. The end of story. (laughs) Just gratitude only. If you want to add a price tag to this, you know, you talk about looking at outsourcing as a full, like finish the equation. Like I'm going to pay this and here's the return and here's actually the number. You know, there are studies that say that 
organization leads to saving money because you know what you have, you see what you have. I mean, just as a small example, when I clean my pantry out, I know suddenly I have five meal ideas, right? As opposed to like going to the grocery store and how many times I've come home with another bottle of ketchup because I thought we didn't have ketchup, but we did. I mean, I have, I could open up a ketchup store at this point because I didn't clean and organize before I did the task. So, you know, there's all these little examples you can give. And if they need, if your spouse needs the hard numbers, like there's a study for everything (laughs) that shows ROI. We even had my friend, Anne, she's featured in the book. She came over for an intervention because she does estate sales. So she she's a lawyer. She's a corporate general counsel high up at a big pharma company. And yet on the weekends, she does estate sales because her mom got into that part of the business. Cool. And she came over and it was so incredible how a fresh eyes, she, speaking of reorganizing the pantry, she really helped us completely redo the kitchen. Now all of Michael's supplements are in the closet, which is not expected, but they work there. They're instead of being all over the counter and neither one of us could see that. We were so stuck in the clutter. We just needed those fresh eyes. And I do think that sometimes you're too close to it, whether it's life, business, work, home. I even love hearing your strategies. I loved reading when Sharon's more. I mean, it is so validating and so helpful to just hear somebody else say, I struggled with this too. And here's how I've solved it. Mm-hmm. That's why I love sharing these tips and tricks. And <laughs> I know you're so good about that. Well, I want everyone to check out your book. It's called Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, Love Your Business. Jenny Blake, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Farnoosh. I love you and your work and all that you're doing as well. So thank you for being an ongoing inspiration to me and to so many of us. And big thanks to everybody who's here listening. Thanks so much to Jenny for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about her book, her podcast, her coaching, her speaking, check out itsfreetime.com, itsfreetime.com. Remember, send me your recession questions for our Friday episode of Ask Farnoosh. If you're wondering about how to manage your money, as we maybe, sort of, kind of, I don't know, are approaching a recession, don't be shy. Send me your questions. And my goal is to answer as many questions as I can on this Friday's episode. Until then, I hope your day is so money. Money.